Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Welcome back to the Azure Podcast. Today is the 24th of June, 2022 on a Friday. And this is episode number 429 on Teams with us today. We have our very special guest, Manju Ramanaspora, to talk about the Azure Native ISV solution program. And of course, our host, Kale, and myself, Cynthia. Before going into our special guest, as usual, we have a couple updates to share. Kale, do you want to start first? Yeah, sure. Uh, I just have a few here today. So the first one I found was um, there's a public preview of an AKS release tracker. I don't think we've talked about this in a podcast before, but uh, it's kind of interesting. So it's kind of like a dashboard uh, that allows you to see the AKS deployments per region real time. Um, and it actually has links, like deep links directly inside of there. So you can trace back to the uh, the GitHub repos uh, for the releases of the different components of AKS and how those get released inside Azure. So super cool for those who are using uh, AKS and want to keep tight track on uh, the release mechanism that's happened there under the covers for that managed service. Um, the second one I have here actually brought up a service, again, I don't think we've had on the podcast or talked about too much. Uh, and this one's around uh, a threat detection. It's actually an article in one of our communities about um, threat detection at airports, railways, and retail uh, using a service called Azure Percept. Um, I wasn't like super plugged into what Azure Percept was. Um, so I thought this was kind of interesting. And it's basically a, a service that combines hardware and software uh, along with AI and IoT. Uh, in a unique way, kind of packaged together with an SDK that allows people to build solutions like this article that we'll share. Um, so, for instance, in an airport, uh, if you want to know that a bag has been set down in a certain location for more than X amount of seconds and, and flag that as something that should be investigated, um, these, this solution allows you to build that solution which is really cool because you know, I'm from New York and um, we have quite a complex system in lower Manhattan, uh, actually in most of Manhattan now, uh, with a set of cameras and all kinds of IoT devices to do similar things. But that was built you know, many years ago. Um, and so it's interesting to see that be kind of commoditized and now it's available for through this SDK for other people to build. The last two I had uh, are blockchain related because every time we got to talk about blockchain. Uh, but now there, for those who don't know, this past week there was a NFT conference in NYC. It's kind of a big one. Um, so it was like three days this week. We also had a, a meetup at the Microsoft office for one day uh, a few days back uh, with some of our close partners uh, at Consensus. Um, so. You know, the conference was about the typical NFT stuff, but how this ties into Azure is um, 
in, in our group at Microsoft is our connection with Consensus, and they actually released uh, some new APIs as part of some of their software service that that runs on Azure. Um, so check it out. I put some links in the link dump for it. So the Infura as well as like the VS Code extension and things like that to plug in there for developers to build on. Uh, these are all kind of a connected ecosystem in there. So take a look at it. That's all I got. Thanks, Gail. And I also have two updates to share. One is the general availability of Azure Key Vault Secret as a provider on the Azure Arc-enabled Kubernetes. So what that means is now you're able to use the provider extension to fetch secrets, keys, and certificates that you store in Azure Key Vault directly instead of having to store and maintain secrets locally on the clusters. So that is one. And the other one is a article around our partnership with Explore, also one of our other partners in the space of um, providing Azure Orbital Ground Station as a service. I didn't know there's also another term for that called GSAS. Everything is, we have a lot of as a services and the the article talks about how with collaboration with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, we're actually able to extend the mission life of a lot of satellites that are in mission already and reducing the cost of operation using those in conjunction with some of the infrastructure that Azure provides and really looking forward to um, additional collaborations with other, other partners as well in the satellite space that we're able to provide more connection to areas and regions of the world that our current uh, public cloud infrastructure may not be reaching yet. So definitely take a look. And with that, now we're open to our very special guest. Manju, can you introduce yourself and tell us what you do at Microsoft? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Cynthia. Uh, Kale, good to be with uh, both of you and uh, your audience. 400 plus episodes, that's just awesome. Um, I have listened to a few of them. Uh, uh, I joined Microsoft only about a little over two years ago. And after I got my offer, one of the first things I did was to listen to some of the podcasts that you guys do. So I've been uh, listening to you guys for a while. And uh, you also hosted uh, um, uh, a podcast with one of my team members to cover Redis recently. That was also good. Uh, thanks for uh, supporting us as well and uh, getting our voice to your audience. Um, so I am what they call as a group product manager at uh, Microsoft. Um, I work within the developer division. Um, I manage several uh, products and services within developer divisions. Um, one of the area that I manage is a program called Azure Native ISV Solutions. That's what we will talk a little bit more in detail. Uh, this is a program really designed towards uh, how do we bring the popular uh, ISV solutions that our developers want, how do we bring them on Azure and make it easy for our developers to consume those services as if they are Azure native services? So we'll go into more details about it uh, a little bit later. I have about uh, um, six partners right now that are in uh, public preview or GA, 
and we have another five six partners in the queue right now um uh, so that's one of the program i manage um i also uh, manage the azure cash for redis uh, that you covered uh, recently um and then i manage uh, uh, supply chain security related uh, uh, products within my team as well that are more focused on how do we uh, deliver uh, uh, opinionated build experience for our Azure developers and how do we assure uh, software supply chain integrity from the time they uh, build the code or the borrow the code or pull from some say GitHub or some external repository. Uh, how do we ensure that that code has not been contaminated or infected with some malware? So um, that's another uh, initiative that I run within my team. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Uh, um, back to you. I'm happy to answer any questions. And I know uh, just partners in general is a big part of the Microsoft ecosystem. I'm curious. And when you say Azure native ISV solution, what does that experience mean? And how would it differ from, say, if I went and took Redis code or yeah. using whatever is available in open source and me deploying it on a Azure infrastructure, for example? Right. Yeah, that's a... Um, a good way to explain some of the high-level value propositions of Azure Native uh, ISV solutions. Oftentimes, what happens is if you are a developer, let's say you are building an app or running on AKS and you want to use, uh, uh, say, functions also and an app service and uh, Azure Cache for Redis and Cosmos, and you build this whole like uh, multiple services together and you plug them together to build your application, right? Uh, um, and uh, these are all uh, Azure first-party services. And in order for these services to work together very well, we do a lot of the work behind the scene as Azure developer teams, right? So AKS team will talk to Redis team, Redis team will talk to Functions team, and make sure that uh, we look at end-to-end uh, -end, uh, developer experiences and then uh, remove the friction for developers, right? In terms of uh, how they bring all these services together and use them uh, for their development work or monitoring or uh, subsequent uh, updates, you know, whatever they need to do for their uh, application stack. Um, this is an advantage we have for all the Azure first party services. You know, we get to actually work together as a team and provide a integrated experience for our customers. Um, if you want to use some uh, third-party service, let's say take an example of Elastic. Elastic is a very popular uh, uh, service that uh, many of our uh, uh, customers want to use for, say, Elastic search purposes, uh, deeper data analysis. Um, and when they want to do that level of like uh, data analysis, observability, monitoring, um, they have to pull the logs and metrics and traces from all the services. You know, if they're using, say, Cosmos DB, AKS, Redis, and Functions, what have you, they'll have to go and tell everyone at the service that, hey, I want to use this Elastic Cache service. I want all the logs to be forwarded to my Elastic Cache, okay? That's a manual work that developers have to do, um, 
to figure out like, hey, these are the services that needs to actually recognize my Elastic service as a service that I want to use and please send all the logs, right? That's a heavy lifting that's really not a differentiated uh, or a core value for the developers, but they have to figure out that plumbing. Uh, we do that for first-party services when if you want to use Redis with Cosmos and Redis with AKS. Uh, but uh, we don't do generally for most of the uh, ISV services, right? So that burden goes on the developer to figure out how do they integrate the third-party service with the first-party service. Um, the second uh, gap we have uh, when you are using the third-party services is how do you provision the resources, right? So when you uh, are launching an AKS service, you just log into Azure portal and then you select the AKS service and then you pick the parameters for your AKS uh, cluster and then deploy it, right? It's all happening through your Azure portal or you could use your CLIs and SDKs, right? Um, Third-party services don't get this benefit because these are all, again, like Azure uh, uh, core infrastructure, right? The portals and CLIs and SDK. Uh, for these selected partners, we actually do that plumbing as well. So from a deployment of the third-party services goes, you really don't have to go outside of Azure portal or a CLI or SDK. You can actually deploy those services from Azure uh, uh, portals of CLI SDK. Um, that's a huge win from a, an experience point of view, from a developer's experience point of view, that now you're able to launch a third-party service as if it's an Azure first-party um, Because we provide that integration, we can also do the plumbing to other Azure first-party services as they create the resources. You know, for instance, hey, do you want to use this with, you seem to have an AKS cluster, uh, say you are deploying uh, Elastic Cache, we can actually tell them, do you want your AKS cluster to start sending the logs to this resource? That's just gold, right, for uh, uh, developers. Uh, so these type of deeper integrations that we do, and those integrations tend to be some that are like common, cross-cutting across all our partners, some that are like uh, specific to individual partner that you know elastic happens to care about logs some other partner let's say nginx is another partner that we launched recently uh, public preview and in their case they care for vnet injection um, so partner by partner we literally put our shoes in the developers uh, uh, world and then what is the developer's pain point when they actually uh, try to consume the third-party services. Um, so um, I, I know it was like uh, quite a bit of uh, detail I shared. Kale, you might have a question for me there. Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering. So I assume that, you know, part of the motivation here too is also to give feedback to the various product groups for those low-level services, right? Like you mentioned Redis Cache a few times and things like that. I can imagine yeah. as ISVs are starting to imagine new solutions on Azure, there's features or things that they need turned on. So making that connection as part of this group to the actual product group for maybe some core underlying service is like part of the deal here uh, to help yeah. improve the experience. Yeah. Totally, totally. That's like... Uh, um, a big deal for our partners. As you know, Azure is so vast, right? You know, we, every week we are releasing new products, new services, and I, I did not follow some of the new launches that you talked about, Kale, for instance. I have to go look back and learn about them. 
Um, whenever these services come up, uh, partner services also want to find a way to connect the dots with those services. Uh, that's one of the values that we deliver. The second thing is, like you just said, you know, there may be some experience that uh, the current Azure service is missing that would really benefit the partner service. So we do actually work with the pa partners and then the Azure product teams to enable those capabilities available for external uh, partners. So yeah, that's um, <clears throat> when we launched uh, our uh, service, you know, it's now the program has been in the market for uh, about two years. Uh, we have uh, six partners that are in uh, GA, four of them are in GA and two of them are in public preview. And uh, the ones that are in GA, they've been now in the business for over a year. Uh, majority of the work that we are doing, uh, KLS, really now the kind of work that we are doing is exactly what you said, which is to really improve that better together experience for multiple services that developers want to use in conjunction with an ISV service. Cynthia, I had something? Andrea. Yes, I'm, I'm curious, you talked about using the solution. How should we think about this being similar or different than what you would find on Marketplace, for example? Yeah, so uh, let me take a step back to explain why this program exists, and I think that helps uh, answering the question. Um, Marketplace, as you know, is very robust uh, uh, ecosystem that we have for Azure. Uh, we probably have like, north of 3,000 partners. Uh, um, um, what we do with uh, uh, Azure Native ISV solution is really to um, uh, dig deeper into what products matter for Azure developers. We focus more on the developer experience and part of the developer division. Uh, so we try to look at uh, uh, what are the ISV solutions that absolutely matter for our developers? Um, and we sort of like pick the ones that makes majority impact for our developers. And so that's sort of like that's the decision chain when we select the partners. It's an exclusive uh, uh, program that, that way. Um, um, your question was a little bit more around how is the uh, uh, marketplace offered ISV services differ from this, or how do developers navigate through figuring out which one is what? Is that uh, right? I think more of what, in terms of the experience, how do they yeah. differ? So if I chose yeah. a solution from marketplace as opposed to using something like Azure Cache for Redis, what? Yeah. How does my experience differ? Yeah. So the, the Azure Native ISV solutions is essentially built on top of Marketplace. So everything that Marketplace provides in terms of like uh, ability to transact, get a unified billing and ability for uh, customers to uh, use their spend towards their Mac commitments, those type of things are still available for this program. Um, what we have done is really like, uh, um, add additional bells and whistles on top of marketplace. The differences that you see between Azure Native uh, ISV solutions and vanilla marketplace, let us say, is that uh, you won't find the portal integration, CLI integration, SDK integration I talked about, for instance, uh, in vanilla marketplace. Uh, that's something that we provide as a managed service. Okay, we perform the initial integration, but then we also 
maintain that and update it and manage that service. Um, um, then the second thing is the, all the deeper integration that we talked about. It goes differ from partner to partner. Um, for instance, uh, um, you know, if, we, if I take observability partners, whether it is Datadog, Elastic, Dynatrace, um, Logs.io, um, in all these cases, we know that um, uh, getting access to the logs, uh, traces, and metrics are very critical for the developer. We do the backend plumbing so that uh, essentially when a partner service is launched, they just have to create a tag, just like they would create a tag with any Azure services. And uh, we are able to monitor wherever the tags are uh, uh, created. When, when, if you say create an AKS cluster, you could reuse the same tag and say, hey, this, is a, this tag is applicable for my resource. Then we can scan through those tags and then automatically send the logs from uh, those services to the partner. So this type of deeper integration is not available with uh, vanilla marketplace, right? So that's a second differentiation. Um, the third one is uh, kind of uh, uh, really uh, emphasizing on what KL said. Uh, these partners pro get uh, uh, almost like a white glove uh, support experience from uh, uh, our team to be available for them to do any deeper integration uh, with uh, other Azure services, be available for them for any escalations, uh, and uh, uh, go to a market with the partner jointly. Um, so we we build uh, uh, you know the go to market plan jointly with the partners for these uh, services. So um, it's these type of additional value adds that are not present in the vanilla marketplace. Yeah, additional question I had there was like you, you mentioned this is kind of focused on the developer. So as a so if, uh, let's just say I'm a developer and I'm coming in and I want to use some of these features. How's yeah. the discoverability? Is this something that like VS Code and Full Visual Studio would like kind of surface to me, or is it more like no, no, it's kind of like out of band. You go to a different website to kind of pick these components and things like that. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, there is still a lot of work to be done here, Kale. Uh, um, I'd love to pick your brain uh, as well after the podcast to see what more can we do. Uh, um, um, right now, the discoverability is uh, through a few areas. Azure Portal is one of them. And you know how we have different categories of uh, services within Azure Portal, right? So. If I am uh, onboarding an um, uh, um, observability partner, it will show up in the monitoring observability category, for instance, along with the first party services. So that's one. Um, and then in the Azure Marketplace also, there is a, a specific section where we uh, call out the Azure native YSV solutions. Um, so that's the second one. Um, and um, just the integration into the resource creation workflow is the third one. Like we were talking about, you know, um, uh, you're launching a AKS, uh, you know, we, you can actually create the tags and then integrate uh, directly back to the uh, partner service that you're running. So those type of experiences are what we have. Uh, uh, but I have to give a lot of kudos to our partners here. Partners do amazing job here of, uh, uh, taking it from where we live and uh, promote it through their audience. Uh, 
um, it's really very helpful for us. And uh, if you look at the reason why we partner with them, it is really because developers love those partner services. So those partners have already gained that mind share of our developers. So we uh, build on that momentum. And so a lot of the uh, uh, discoverability, um, uh, field awareness, customer awareness are actually coming from our partners. Andrew, you mentioned that these are a lot of the services developers use a lot and love. I'm curious if you can walk us through what is kind of the behind the scene decision process of what are the different areas you look at across these partners and how do you decide that this is one we want to go after to build out those additional integrations and the bells and whistles you just mentioned? Yeah, yeah. Um, boy, we could take like an hour for this one. <laughs> um, so uh, it's very, very hard for us, uh, this one, because there is uh, quite a few partners we leave unhappy uh, as a result of a strict selection process we have. Uh, um, the most important thing for is always like, you know, how popular are these uh, partner services among our developers? There are many metrics that we have internally because of uh, many developer products that we, uh, you know, uh, deliver through Microsoft, right? Whether it is Visual Studio or the telemetry that we have with, uh, um, within Azure. So we do actually use that as a uh, guiding uh, factor for us. Um, we also look at external resources. GitHub Stars is an, one of the great ways for us to understand like how popular is it uh, uh, in the outside world, right? Uh, um, um, uh, Stack Overflow does the annual uh, developer uh, study, for instance. They also publish like amazing reports every year in terms of like, uh, um, what are the services that are popular among developers? And then how they create a nice cluster view as well. If you are like a cloud native developer, what are the typical uh, developer tools and services that you consume? Uh, that is another uh, uh, thing that helps us. Um, um, word of mouth uh, also, uh, is helping us a lot. Like there are partners who are now reaching out to us and building a, a momentum by really coming and saying, I want what this other partner has. That That's pretty much what they say. So, <laughs> uh, so we are fortunate that way. So um, a lot of the decisions are purely based on these type of factors and, uh, you know, like where is the developer's uh, uh, attention? Now, uh, there's a few other things that we do, Cynthia, in addition to the uh, this uh, high-level uh, developer uh, interest, right? Uh, we also try to focus on uh, um, few strategic verticals or areas where we see there is opportunity for Azure overall as well. Uh, um, we try to support startups. We try to support uh, digital native uh, um, um, uh, companies, uh, cloud native companies. Uh, uh, we also try to support uh, other initiatives that Microsoft is trying to uh, uh, help, whether it is in terms of uh, supporting a specific uh, 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 ecosystem like industry uh, verticals, like maybe healthcare or uh, 
um, you know, uh, finance or retail or, or energy. And uh, if uh, Microsoft wants to help these uh, developers, what are some of the specific uh, gaps they have today within Azure and how do we actually help closing those gaps? So those also come into the factor when we select uh, our partners. And then we, we might have touched on this a little bit. If I were to pick something from the cloud, the Azure native ISV solution, yeah, and I'm running into an issue, yeah, do I go through the regular Azure support channel, or what does that support experience look like? Yeah, that's an awesome question. Um, so uh, today, uh, the experience what we have is essentially we still make sure that developers recognize that this is a partner service. Even though it is integrated with Azure from an experience point of view, sometimes they may actually get the feeling that it is a, a Azure first party service. Uh, uh, but um, we do actually uh, make it visible for them that it is a partner service. And one of the reason we do that is actually um, the partner is actually the point contact for them in terms of like providing the first level of support. Um, um, when when you come to Azure still, say you create a resource, you know, there is a blade that says, hey, I need, I need support, right? Uh, if you were to click on the support, you basically will see uh, redirection to the partner, uh, to a negotiated uh, uh, link uh, with the partner um, where they'll have to open the support ticket. Um, now, what we have done for the for our partner ecosystem is to open essentially a back channel for the partners to uh, reach to us directly. Right. So um, we have a um, we have a very strong uh, network that we have set up now, uh, leveraging our existing uh, support uh, infrastructure we have within Azure, whether it is through Fast Track or AS that you may have heard. Right. Uh, uh, we do actually have the, their team's support for all our partners. Um, so uh, the, if there are escalations, if there are issues that uh, uh, is beyond uh, uh, my own team's responsibility, then we also, like, let's say, for instance, partner is trying to consume um, um, uh, elastic cash in certain region and they're running out of uh, capacity, right? Uh, uh, so capacity is not managed in my team, uh, but we have a, a direct line with that capacity team and we would work with, uh, even if the customer escalates to the partner, partner has a back channel directly to come to us to uh, you know, make sure we help uh, in a timely manner. So that's the support system that we have set up. And... And then in terms of uh, future looking, what are some things we can expect to see in the next couple months that you can share with us? Yeah, so uh, we announced uh, two public previews at Build. Um, uh, one, was, one is with uh, Nginx. Nginx offers a very popular uh, reverse proxy service that a lot of our developers use. Uh, so we work with Nginx slash FI to um, um, deliver uh, the you know our Azure Native experience. Uh, this is our first uh, networking uh, uh, category partner. Uh, I say first uh, because there is quite a few to talk 
talk about like what's coming in the future, there's quite a few networking related partners that we have queued up to, um, uh, because, you know, the thing with this partner services is uh, customers uh, pick a specific partner for various reasons. So we want to give the choice for the developers. So some may like Nginx, some may like some other ISV solution that does probably somewhat same things. Uh, so we want to give the choice for our developers. So there is few more partner services that are queued up uh, um, after uh, Nginx. Um, uh, and similar to that, uh, Dynatrace is the other, uh, so Dynatrace is an observability partner and uh, we launched a public preview for that uh, uh, service. Um, so those are the two that will go GA very soon, okay? Um, um, subsequent to that, uh, I can't go into the details about the specific partners, I can talk about the categories. Uh, you know, we are, uh, Looking at expanding, so the, if you look at the current uh, set of partners, we have observability, we have networking, and we have data partners. Uh, from there, we are also planning to branch out to strengthening all these three portfolio and then expand to storage partners and uh, um, industry verticals and healthcare, gaming, so these type of uh, verticals that we are also trying to support. So. Um, that's what we should expect as uh, the program evolves. Um, there is quite a bit of uh, uh, appetite, interest from our partners, and we're trying to selectively grow the um, ecosystem so that we truly bring, uh, uh, you know, meaningful value, right? Uh, if we try to absorb too many partners, we can't go deep. We don't want to just go too broad. So, um, uh, when we partner with the first partner within the solution category, it helps us to depart O, but then as we bring in more and more partners within the same solution category, it helps us to go deeper. Uh, so that's sort of like what we are doing right now. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Kale, any other questions before we close out? No, this is great. I mean, thanks for coming on here and educating our listeners on this. Um, yeah. I know I found it helpful, so uh, it's always great to find all these things. As you mentioned, Azure is a vast space now, uh, so discovering these things is uh, it's quite a challenge sometimes, so hence why we do these podcasts, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, Find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.